Welcome to Coffee Podcast. I'm Emma. And I'm Ali. Every week we choose a short story to listen to while we drink our morning coffee, but tonight's a little bit different. Well, starting by the fact that it's tonight. It is tonight, and it would be unwise to drink coffee after sundown, I'm told. Exactly. Which so is why... We've gone with coffee tequila instead. Patron! <laughs> it's important for the podcast. It is. That's why we do this. We do it for you. But so this week, it's Emma's turn. Yes, it is. And I have chosen a story called 4,000 Winks by Dominique Heck. It's going to be read by Whitney Richards. And I hope you like it. I was born one night in spring. My mother, panting abortively at each gasp, later convinced me of my angelhood. At first, I failed to cry, my scarlet complexion announcing to the world that I was withholding my breath. Then, I wailed and wailed, closed my mouth on a dummy. I jiggled my arms and shoulders, hips and legs, wriggled my toes, all according to plan. A closet explorer, I had already tasted blood and water, sugar and salt. I had heard and listened to Barbara's throat vibrations, tummy gurgles, and the mysterious thud-thud that shook us once a week. I had felt for an exit and found it. My hands tracked down my toes, pulled at my hair. I crawled, stood, walked, ran. I tried to fly, fell in the space-time of childhood. Did you fall through the space-time of childhood? Personally, the word space-time always just makes me think of Doctor Who. So I'm just I'm trying to not let that cloud my entire understanding of this story. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like just like a Doctor Who interpretation isn't going to work. It could. It totally could. Because then she fell through the space-time <laughs> of childhood, met Doctor Who... And then that was her life as the new companion. Always an option. Keep it in mind. I'm, I'm going to write in that in a letter and send it to the BBC. <laughs> new storylines. Dear BBC, I recently fell through the space-time continuum. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I read, well, listened to an amazing story about comprehending birth and childhood as a space-time adventure. Well, it is a space-time adventure. It is. There is space and time involved. There is. I feel like I'm still falling, figuratively and literally, most of the time, Mm -hmm. in space. (laughs) Different experience, I think, than what she's talking about. But uh, (laughs) what our author is talking about. But I suppose in that, it it does kind of remind me of that newfound concept of like adulting and it's not real you're not really an adult you're just still a child trying to figure it out yep yeah i figured some things out 
Yeah. Not. I mean, I'm still stacking it, so what can I do? Got scabby knees most of the time. Got to learn to fly. <laughs> this story actually reminded me of, you know what it reminded me of. It reminded me of Jacques' soliloquy. I memorized that whole soliloquy. So when I heard <laughs> this, it sounds exactly the same to me. Like it sounds the way that um, the writers used verbs to classify each stage. Yeah. And it's this fast forward time lapse of wailing, then wriggling and jiggling, then walking, then running. Yeah, It mirrors exactly the same way Shakespeare does it, where he's like, there's the seven stages and the first is the infant where you're mewling and puking and then you go on to the next stage. So I really liked, I liked that about it. It was like this little fast forward, yeah, time yeah. lapse of the whole stage of life. That was one of the notes I made for this story was that um, it's it's a theme I think I've seen a lot that exploring... And trying to comprehend what it would actually be like to, if you could remember being born, mm. if you could remember being in the womb, if you could remember what it actually felt like that first time you ran and how like it is this, it's impossible to even comprehend because I, I like, I've never not run. I've never not yeah. walked in my living memory, but there was a time when I didn't. Mm. Don't even remember what that was like at all. Well, yeah, no. You, Can you like, imagine no the elation? Does. Like, it's an, an uh, it's an awesome imaginative exercise to try and think what that yeah. experience would be like because you're just trying to create an experience of something that you totally don't understand. It's like trying to emphasize the experience of a bird. You exactly. Know, you don't understand. It's just, and I think like when you actually watch children, you can see this sort of sense of like exploration and and curiosity of just going, oh, my body can do this. And he's like, can you just remember it and tell me about it later? Mm. <laughs> I mean, most of them can't talk yet, but please, <laughs> I want to know. I want to know what it feels like. Mm. I loved the description of what it felt like to be in the womb, where the writer used those descriptors of blood and water and salt and sugar. Yeah. And it sounded like the foundations of cooking or the foundations of life or it just linked it to this really pagan tone i felt yeah and it was it was very evocative i definitely saw the pagan side of it because to me it kind of sounded like very almost dark and and macabre especially because yeah the first term she uses is blood Mm. kind of like and then just realizing that she's using it as a way like to yeah just describe what's actually inside the womb and going yeah Yep, no, those things are there. Yeah, it just tied it to this very grounding human, the humanity yeah. of it, like the blood and the guts and just the absolute physicalness of being born, which I think you get older and you forget about and you have your like corporate job or whatever and you're complaining about like, I don't know, train <laughs> tickets or something, I don't know. And then everyone's just made out of salt and water and blood and we're all just these gut bags walking around you know like it's i think it's good to be reminded of that sometimes do you know what i mean yeah 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 all right i know what you're thinking about on the train now cool cool, cool, cool. <laughs> um 
one question I did have that no matter how much I've tried to think it through myself. No. Is the third third. <laughs> third third once a week. I can't, I can't figure it out. I just, I can't think. What I it think could you be. did figure it out. I think you know what it is. <laughs> it's very regular though. Once a week, that's it. <laughs> I mean, for how long? What? There are rules about this. <laughs> there are rules. Yeah, no, that's. Yeah. But. We should clarify for the listeners, since maybe. This is something we talked about before we started recording because <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. Well, it is described as a mysterious experience. And I just think when two people love each other very much <laughs> some and they make a baby, thud, sometimes thud they want to just enjoy that activity happens. a bit longer during pregnancy. And maybe maybe they just do it once a week. I don't know. Or maybe, as you thought, in a much more clinical tone, (laughs) (laughs) that it was perhaps just a medical exam. Yeah, when they put stuff on the stuff. Yeah, Yeah, you know when they put put something on your tummy and they kind of thud their fingers against the um, stethoscope? Yes, yes, they do. But, Which seems much more normal because a lot of pregnant women have a lot of appointments we could be totally wrong and it's something else entirely yeah this is a real one like what happens once a week (laughs) (laughs) i'm so worried there are people out there just going like it's so obvious like it's painfully obvious i can't believe you didn't know what it was and i'm just like i I didn't i don't know. know I couldn't think of anything. I'm not a child in a womb. I don't do I don't know. anything basically exactly once a week. I'm not good at going to the gym. I, I, I don't know. I can't think of anything I do once a week. And no more and no less. No, I have nothing. I have a weekend once a week. <laughs> <laughs> that counts. That counts. Um, but yeah. No, I, I definitely, I really liked the description in this story. Yeah. Very evocative, mysterious, physical. (laughs) Um, You know what else I thought was interesting? The description of the mum. In the beginning is called my mother and then it moves to Barbara. Was that the mum? I mean, it could have been someone else's throat vibrations, but. Uh, Yeah, no, I had the same thought that I had this moment of going like you know you know these varying descriptions of the mother as yeah the mother or sorry my mother and then it's just the abstract just the womb which is inside her and, mm. and so you kind of go like well she's out there somewhere mm. yeah and then it's barbara and you're like and i was who's barbara well we've only got one other character in this story so it must and be the, her. like the owner but, of the possible thud yes whoever that lovely person is they're there too (laughs) whether it a doctor or the mother's partner we'll never know or maybe Uh, maybe we will will. yeah but i was thinking that possibly the uh separation from i feel like the mother was referring to almost like that pagan kind of 
feeling of the actual function of the mother. So you have the mother in this like platonic sense or something like the mother. And then you separate like the baby separates from the mum, starts seeing her as external. And then it becomes Barbara, that entity over there. Yeah, I think that's why I saw it almost in very like three separate concepts of the mother. Like you have the mother as, Mm. you know, using that word, which has its emotional connotations to it. Then just the descriptive physical words of, you know, just the the physical nature of, of being a mother. Mm. Followed by her actual name of, oh, yeah, by the way, she's a person too. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And creating, so it was like the emotions of the mother, the physicalness of the mother, mm. and also her own humanity as mm. a person. But which also echoes the stages of your life, right? Like yeah. as you grow older, you're like... You're not just this person who's meant to take care of me. You're a completely exactly. complex, separate you know, human for being. Those first, like the first year of your your life, you don't really have a comprehension. Well, since it's a baby, like we don't, we can't be sure that they don't have a comprehension. But science assumes mm. that like everything's just about the physical nature of it. It's mm. just the they need. are just a thing that you know, provides warmth and shelter mm. and love and and it's just a, an animalistic relationship mm. followed by the childhood relationship of mm. mother and mum and... Carer. And the carer followed by now there's just this adult person in my life who mm. I love. Mm. And I, I really liked seeing those three different stages. Yeah. Um, what did you think about angelhood? Because I felt thrown by that when it was first introduced yeah. because the way the birth was described, it had this sense of falling about it, like an angel then fallen onto earth. And then I was thinking that perhaps, and then why the inability to breathe would link that to angelhood. I was like, don't worry about it, forget about it. And then <laughs> right at the end, it was talking about how they were trying to fly. Yeah. So it seemed to be this nice kind of anchor point at the beginning and the end of the story. But what do you think was the purpose of that? I, I, I wasn't quite sure mm. of that one as well. It was, it really, like, for whatever reason, and it could just be something about the way that the actor read it out, that. Mm created this real stopping point on that word mm. and suddenly like the whole story sort of seemed to pause mm. for you to take in that word and then just moved on and it was there was a few words in this actually like specifically that made mm. me kind of like stop and pause like using the word although obviously it has alternative meanings mm. and it was completely correct in the way that she that the author used it um the use of the word abortively mm. in that first sentence yeah, when talking you. about giving birth to so it was just I I had to Google the meaning just to like a hundred percent and I was like, no, 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 it's definitely correct. Like yeah. there's a definite correct usage yeah. of the word. But Because we associate with it's an got abortion. such connotations mm. that it just made it so interesting to use. And then the same with Angelhood, that it was just this stopping point of Wait, what? Mm. <laughs> and then we were straight back into the physicality and 
and and all of these things and it was just you didn't it seemed like there was this great pregnant uh, pause (laughs) (laughs) Um, when the actor said the word but then at the same time no time to process the use of it Mm, mm -hmm. Um, which I think makes an interesting point about how the meaning of a story can change when you have an actor read it. Yeah. Because if you were reading this story just on the page, your mind would make its own stopping points and would stop on its own things, perhaps in a way that the writer intended to, but perhaps not. Like yeah. You would control that. And then you have this other mind become applied to the story when they're reading it out and suddenly you have to follow their stopping points and see the story through their eyes consciously or not yeah and so you've got the writer on one hand creating the first lens and then you've got the actor on the other hand creating this sort of diversionary path through the story and it can change the total meaning like perhaps abortively wasn't even a a stopping point for the writer but the actor unconsciously was thinking wait what and then we're thinking wait what (laughs) well yeah that was it was definitely one of those for me that it was just i i haven't had a chance to see it written down Mm. i've only listened to the recordings of it and i would really love to compare my reaction to the two to see if i do have the same reaction to the word mm. angelhood because it still just jars in my mind as this really odd moment in in the story that just didn't quite fit mm. but made it much more memorable because mm. of that. Yeah. So... Well, I think it also evoked more consciousness to the baby as well. Yeah. Like, that's why it stuck in my head because it was as if this baby, this new-formed thing had these intentions and ideas of itself and motives in the world where we just don't apply that experience to a baby that's just been born. But when I heard abortively, I thought of um, like someone trying to abort an like a plane or something, (laughs) like a plan, you know what I mean? Like abort, abort, (laughs) abort. (laughs) Which carried nicely through to the more sci-fi connotations of the end. (laughs) The potential sci-fi. Doctor Who should do it. It'd be a great one. (laughs) Brilliant story. So that was Dominic Heck's 4,000 Winks, read by Whitney Richards. And it was launched at the Newcastle Writers' Festival in an anthology called Time. Yes, so you can find that anthology at shortaustralianstories.com.au, published by Spineless Wonders. And we are supported by the Australia Council for the Arts. Please rate, review and subscribe us on iTunes or your Android players or get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Excellent. Tell us what the thud thud is. Or don't. I'm so worried it's obvious. I'm worried about the messages we're going to get now. Merry Christmas. Season's greetings. like a whole gag going anyway (laughs) merry christmas and a happy new year everyone thank you so much for listening to season one of coffee podcast we have loved having you listen and we're 
on hiatus for January, but we're back in Feb. So if you subscribe to the podcast, then you will be notified when we come back for our very first episode in February. Season two. Stay caffeinated. Stay caffeinated.